Turn with me to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. And while you're doing that, I'll, I'll set it up. I'll tell you a story. There's a young politician who wasn't a very successful or very well-known politician. He was a lawyer, country lawyer. And he was elected as president of the United States. It was a complete surprise to everybody. No one knew him. No one had seen a photograph of him uh, at this point in time. And his train went right through here, went through right through this region. And, and before he got to Washington, they tried to assassinate him. And uh, a guy named Alan Pinkerton uh, was a detective, and he accompanied him. That became the, what later became uh, the CIA and uh, personal bodyguard, and they protected Lincoln from being killed before he got to Washington. And once he got to Washington, uh, all this rumbling of a, uh, the country falling apart and being divided really became a reality. One, one state after the other started leaving the Union, but not just leaving the Union, taking federal arsenals and federal ships and forts uh, with them. And so, so it's just here you become elected president and the country is dissolving like sugar in the rain. The whole thing is just completely falling apart. People are trying to kill you. He has to sneak into Washington, D.C. And um, he gets there and it's a complete mess. And his party's divided. His own cabinet hate him. They're all former members who, who had been uh, campaigning against them. They, they're all divided among themselves, divided against him. They thought he was uh, a buffoon. They would write letters to other people, which we can read, now read, calling him a gorilla, uh, saying he was just a, he was an idiot. Uh, he didn't know anything about politics. And so here's Lincoln's response to all that. He wrote a, pro a proclamation a proclamation of thanksgiving. And he said, let's, as a country, let's start to give thanks. And he proclaimed a fast in a time of mourning, in a time of repentance, a time of, of thanksgiving. And he thought giving thanks in the middle of that mess was the, the, re, the right response that would change that around. And he made that proclamation again and again and again. I, I used to have the number. I, I looked for it yesterday. I couldn't find it. Seems to me it was like more than 30 times he made this proclamation that let's get the country together and let's give thanks to God. And he says, we've, we've forgotten that the blessing that we've been under is really because of God. And he wanted to get people's hearts turned back to the Lord. He thought that would be the solution you think our country is divided now and it's a mess now. It's nothing compared to what it's been. Even in the 1970s, if you look at America in the 19, 1971, 72, 73, it was a wreck. It was amazing. Gas shortages like you wouldn't believe. Um, food shortages. Terrible leadership. A country divided. Uh, people setting off bombs in in mailboxes and, and setting off uh, bombs in public buildings all over the country. It was an amazing time. Makes actually what we're going through right now seem like nothing. But I think the solution is the same. I think it's repentance, it's turning toward God, it's offering up thanksgiving. He thought, he thought if we can get the people to start expressing their gratitude to God, it would change the heart of the nation. I think he was right. And uh, it's, the, it's the solution still. 
uh, we still celebrate Thanksgiving. In fact, it was because of Lincoln's proclamations that they made it a federal holiday. They made it a national day, uh, countrywide, except no more fasting. It become feasting instead of fasting. And, uh, but I think we need Thanksgiving Day every day, don't you? Without the gravy. But uh, Psalm 100, it's a psalm of thanksgiving. That's what it's called. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. And it is he who has made us and not we ourselves. That's the issue. That's what Lincoln was touching. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. I can't tell you the, uh, how many times I, I've gone to my place of prayer and I've got nothing. I don't even feel like praying. And I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know what to pray for. I don't even know how to start. And there's no sense of his presence. There's no sense of his drawing. It's just me and a cold room. And it just makes you want to quit. Prayer would be different if Jesus was sitting there in the room physically. Of course, I would run to the room. Maybe I would never leave the room. But that's not my experience. And I'll, I'll, I'll get in my posture of prayer, and, and, and there's nothing happening. There's no sense. In fact, my mind's wandering. I have to pull it back and pull it back into the purpose of, of what I'm doing. And it's, it's doing this psalm. I got this psalm in my heart when I was a young Christian. And if I can just start giving thanks for several things, I'll, I'll start with just the most basic things. I'm so grateful that I'm saved. I'm so grateful that I even know the Lord exists. I'm so grateful that he's my father. And I'll just start with gratitude. I won't get very far, not even a minute out there, and just expressing gratitude, and I feel the presence of the Lord. And things that I want to pray for and people that I care about all of a sudden start coming to my heart and mind. Paul did the same thing all through the New Testament. What he would do is he'd start expressing his gratitude for faces, for people. And then that led him to pray uh, the flush of his heart for them. And next thing you know, an hour has passed and you, you, you're shocked at how, how much you've prayed for and who you've prayed for and where you've been in prayer. You can actually go around the world on your knees. But it really starts with thanksgiving. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. Anytime you just start off with gratitude, with thanksgiving, it does something to your heart. And it also draws the presence of the Lord. He loves gratitude. And I realize that this prayer of thanksgiving is probably, of all, of all prayer to do, is probably the highest prayer. And, and it is. Uh, Hebrews 13 talks about it as a, as a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of thanksgiving, the fruit of our lips, because you don't feel like it. You just do it because it's what's required. You do it because you know he wants it. David had this revelation one day. He said, Lord, I know you're not into the blood of bulls and goats. I know you're not interested in hooves and the fat of lambs. I know you're not interested in that. You want my heart. And he tapped into it, and he entered into 
the New Testament a thousand years before anybody else. And then Paul picks up on it. He, he goes at it. In fact, let's, let's do a couple of things with Paul. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Paul's talking about anxiety. Philippians 4. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. Verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. A lot of anxiety today. But in everything by prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ, through Christ Jesus. So the way to the antidote for anxiety is gratitude, is thanksgiving. And, and what he does that's masterful here, he says what you do is you pray, that's conversation, you supplicate with thanksgiving. So you actually give thanks on the front end to the things you're praying for before you see them. There's something powerful. There's something the Lord is super attracted to. When I start thanking him for what he's about to do, when I start thanking him for what I've just finished asking for, I've just supplicated, and I go into a heavy gratitude, and I trick myself. I think, how would you react, Pan, if, if, if the very thing you asked has just happened? How would you react on that day? Well, I'd be a lot more excited, and so I, I jack up my excitement, and I start pouring out my gratitude. Thank you, Lord, on the front end, before I see it, he's super attracted to that. He loves that. And so that's what Paul is teaching his people. Colossians, just flip a couple pages over. Colossians chapter 2. Watch this. He said, and you therefore, verse 6, have received Christ Jesus the Lord. So as you have therefore walked, uh, received the Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Let me do that again. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So the way you received Christ in the beginning, you didn't know him, you didn't have any spiritual merit, you didn't know anything about prayer, you didn't know anything about, all you knew is you needed to receive Christ. He said that, that, that condition of heart is what you need to walk in. And so my whole goal, it sounds funny, is to get back into the very condition of heart that where I needed him in the first place and acknowledge him in the first place. And so he says, that's what you do. That's how you walk this thing out. In other words, you don't get to this level of super spirituality. I'm just trying to get back to the very basic childlikeness and simplicity that I first tapped into him and received him. So walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. In other, in other words, the, the, the gasoline that makes this thing really take off is gratitude. It's thanksgiving. It's a powerful, powerful thing. We just had Thanksgiving Day, Thanksgiving week. I think we should, it's, it's Thanksgiving is a powerful, powerful tool there's times when I feel like I'm drowning in darkness and I'll, I'll strap on a life jacket that keeps me from drowning, that keeps me buoyant. And that life jacket, more than anything else, is gratitude. It's thanksgiving. It's offering up the fruit of my lips. It's offering up a sacrifice of praise. 
even though I don't want to do it. If right now it seems like you're surrounded by pressure, enemies, anxiety, you don't know what's up, and you're not feeling the presence of the Lord, the ticket in is thanksgiving. That's the place to begin. It'll take you places in prayer that you'd otherwise not get to. It's a powerful, powerful tool. I'll tell you, uh, there's a time in, in Jerusalem when, when the city, the walls have been built, the gates have been restored, temple has been, has been put up, but there's hardly any people. People aren't living there. Uh, there's, uh, the houses are all rubble, and Nehemiah's in charge of it. He, he's been assigned the task of getting the city back up again. People are discouraged. People, aren't, people have quit. They're no longer tithing. Malachi, he comes in. He starts talking about that. Usually the first thing that goes when, when, uh, when you're not feeling good is, is you stop giving. And that's what was happening in Jerusalem. And so uh, uh, Nehemiah, here's what he does. He says, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get this thing back on track. We're going to get people, choirs, uh, who offer nothing but thanksgiving and praise to God. And they actually found money to pay them and said, let's just pray. Let's get this happening 24-7, just like David had established many years ago. And he got choirs, and he divided them. He got them up there. They had a leader. And he said, okay, guys, start singing. Bring gratitude. And they'd pour out, and they'd say, oh, the mercy of the Lord. How, how great is his mercy? How deep is his loving kindness? And they'd go off in gratitude toward the Lord, and it changed, it changed the whole game. It changed the establishment of the city. It changed how people felt. Just hearing, it wasn't even them singing. It was just hearing choirs singing, offering thanksgiving. Powerful, powerful thing. Jesus is into thanksgiving. One time he saw these lepers walking by at a distance. And they hollered out to him. They said, son of David, heal us of this leprosy. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest, which is what the Bible said to do when you've been healed of leprosy. And so they did it, they did it, and as they went, they were healed. That's just such an amazing thing to me. And one of them turned back and, and dropped to his knees in front of Jesus and poured out his gratitude. And Jesus looks at him, he says, where are the other nine? Weren't there ten healed? In other words, he expected... He didn't do it for gratitude, but he's looking for it. He knows when it's there. He knows when it's not there. He notices us when we receive a blessing and then we do nothing with it. There's no gratitude. Jesus sees it. Jesus himself, when he was praying on John 11, he says, uh, Father, thank you. I know that you always hear me. He starts off his prayer by expressing his gratitude that I know you're going to hear me. I know, I know you're going to answer my prayer. Powerful, powerful thing. Speaking in tongues. There's a time when the, the church at Corinth were speaking in tongues a lot. And uh, uh, they had actually done it too much. They, they had stopped speaking in their language there where they could understand each other. Even when it came time to say grace at the table, they would offer up. Uh, uh, speaking in tongues, and the other person couldn't even say amen to it because they didn't even know what they're saying. It was just too much. So uh, Paul said, he said, you know, you got to do it 
in, 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 in a language that people understand as well. You can't just do it in tongues. They were taking a good thing and driving it into the ditch. But he puts this little, little line in here. He says, in, indeed, you are speaking, you're, you're giving thanks well, but the other's not edified. In other words, most, probably, most of our tongue speaking is thanksgiving. And lots of times in my prayer life, when I just feel like I'm not getting anywhere and I want to get my, my pump primed, I'll start speaking in tongues, believing that somehow it's gratitude, believing that it's pouring out my affection to the Lord, it's pouring out stuff to the Lord that I can't even think of, and something spiritually changes. Something happens in my heart, something happens in the car or, or my office, wherever I'm praying. Speaking in tongues often is giving thanks to God, and it's a powerful powerful remedy. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. Why don't we go there and look at this. First Thessalonians. Again, a couple more pages past, past Colossians. Chapter 5. Now this, this church, he's writing this church because they're under persecution. They're brand new believers. They're only weeks old in the Lord. But the first thing that happened is persecution happened. And Paul's their leader, and, and he's been driven off. He's been run off to the next town. He gets to the next town. They run him off again. Finally, he gets down into Athens where he could actually sit down and write this letter. And this is what he writes to them. But he gets back into the rejoicing. Verse 16, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything, give thanks. We, we often will give thanks if we feel gratitude. We'll often give thanks uh, if things are going well. But he's saying, no, no, in everything, in every circumstance, no matter what's happened to you, the best response, huh, I'll tell you what your father loves. And it feels like you're in the eye of a storm and there's debris going all around you and things are falling apart and you stand in the middle of that and you raise your hands to him and bless his name and begin pouring out your gratitude toward him. Something changes. Heaven takes notice. Things will change. He's looking. He's listening. He's looking for that response. Gratitude Gratitude is the key into it. Let's stop here. I know we got some time left on the clock, but uh, I want to practice this a little bit. Let me, let me lay out a challenge before we, we practice this here this morning. Because I know a number of you just aren't feeling anything these days. You're just numb. Let's break through today. Let's, let's get past that. Happened to be reading in Leviticus yesterday about offerings, and one of the offerings was an offering of thanksgiving, and, and there are some conditions on it. He said, it can't be anything bruised or broken, something you don't want. It can't be something that's blind. It can't be something that's lame. Uh, in other words, don't, don't give God your junk. Give him your best. And so that was a condition. And he said, the other condition is it's got to be from the heart. It has to be free will. It's not because someone's telling you to do this. You have to, it has to be the, out of the volition of your own will, your own desire to do this. So I'm going to lay out something to you today. But even though I'm doing this, there's no commandment in it. I'm not, I'm not going to ever know whether you do it or not. But I, I want to lay something out. And he says, what you do is you put together, you think about it, you put together an offering. 
And all it is is an offering of gratitude to the Lord. So it's not just saying that you're grateful. It's doing something in gratitude. And he says, what I want you to do is I want you to come up with a gift and I want you to, I want you to just give it. An offering of thanksgiving. We don't take up offerings here. And I'm not asking for anything for me or for our church. But I'd like you to give something. I'd like, you to, I'd like you to say, Lord, I'm so grateful for what you've done in my life in this past year as I look back. We're getting to the end of the year. I haven't thanked you enough, and I want to I give something. But, but what I'd like you to do is think of something you have, something you own, something you love. And I want you to give it to somebody. I want you to plan. I want you to purpose in your heart and say, I've got this. I've got this and something that I've, I've really enjoyed, and I'm going to give it away. Could be to a family member, to a neighbor, to a, a brother or sister. But you purpose in your heart. And you don't have to do this. But the reason you do it is, is you want to express your gratitude to the Lord. Could be a favorite book you've read. Could be something you made. We had someone, they brought a gun to church. It was just a favorite gun that had been passed down, and they gave it to another brother in the church. Not because they needed a gun or would even have fully appreciated the value. They just wanted to give an offering to the Lord. It may be that you'll say, I'm going to have someone over this week for a meal. But here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to determine it in your heart before the Lord and say, Lord, out of my gratitude to you, I'm going to give to somebody this week. Think about it. If you don't decide now, today, you probably won't decide. We're not after it. We're not after your money. In fact, you're the, some of the most generous people I've ever met. But there's something in this for you. There's a spiritual breakthrough in this thing for you. There's something about giving thanksgiving, but there's something powerful in showing gratitude, expressing it with an offering, expressing it with something that costs you something. And it's, it's not something that you're giving because it's broken. You're giving it, and you're giving it, you're saying, Lord, I'm not even doing it for so-and-so. I'm doing it for you. I know you're looking. I know you're listening. I offer this to you. Can you think of something? What would you give? Who would you give it to? Why don't you decide, I'm going to give it today. I'm going to give it before the sun sets. I'm going to give it now. I want to give it as soon as possible. I don't want to monkey around with this. I, 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 want to, I want to express my gratitude while I'm feeling it. What do you have? What could you give that reflects your gratitude to God? It's all through the Bible. It's the right way to live and become so satisfying 
that you'll turn around and you'll want to do it again and again and again. Nehemiah and Ezra, I just happen to be studying my devotions, these books these days. They were taking people who had been backslidden, who had been living in pagan Babylon, and a group of them came back to, to Jerusalem, to Judea, and it was broken. The walls were broken down the city. Nothing was like it was. And they began to rebuild the temple, and, and uh, it wasn't anything like the original temple. It just Some people rejoiced. Some people groaned and moaned, and, and you couldn't hardly tell. It was just a sound. They couldn't tell who was groaning, who was glad. And, and the, what they did is they, they got Ezra a pulpit. They built a, a scaffold. And they put him up above the people. And the first day that they gathered, it was raining. If you've been in Israel when it's raining, it's a cold rain. And everything's made of stone. And they all stood there. If you can imagine this audience of the plaza, the plaza's all filled up with people. And he stood above them on the scaffolding. And he just began to read the Bible probably Deuteronomy, just began with Deuteronomy because it was a, Deuteronomy was the whole law all encapsulated into one book. And he stood there and they had lost touch. They hadn't heard the word of God. They didn't, they lost what God had required and what he was like and how he'd set this whole thing in motion and how he delivered them out of the hand of him who hated them and in, 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 in Egypt and how he led them in a sure way and how he gave them this promised land. And, and they just read the law. And what God required. And the people stood in the rain. And their only response was, was grief. That they were so far away from what God required. So far away from what had, he had established. And their fathers had, had drifted into idol worship. And, 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 and uh, uh, had gotten so far away from God. They just put their faces on the pavement. And bowed before the Lord. And were in such grief. And here's what... Here's what Nehemiah said to them. He got up, he says, look at, look at. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And what he's talking about, it's not talking about physical strength. He said, the thing that's gonna, the thing that's gonna give you the ability to, to pull out of the condition you're in is you're gonna have to rejoice. And that's why Paul's writing, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. He's underlining it here. It's not, it's not kick your heels and be happy, but it has to do with worship and it has to do with getting back. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to go home and send presents to your friends. Send presents to your neighbors. I want you to go home and I want you to eat some sweet things and some fat things. There's permission right there, right in the scripture. I think what he's after in that is there's something, there's some kind of soul food. It's good for the soul. I mean, they're mourning. He said, go home, make something sweet, make something delicious, something, something fat. Give presents to your neighbors because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And he was trying to restart their heart that had been flatlined. And it's a powerful, powerful reminder of, of how to get a heart that's cold, that's indifferent. 
plugged back in, restarted. I think it has to do with giving. I think thanksgiving is where we begin. We, we give our thanks to the Lord. We offer up the, the fruit of our lips. For me, there's something about saying it out loud that starts my heart faster than anything. But oftentimes, I can, within, within a minute, I could feel different spiritually by offering thanksgiving to God. But to take it further, you have to show gratitude for people around you. Don't give it something to your best friend necessarily or to someone who's worthy or deserving. What do you have that you can just give? Maybe the way God gave to you. Maybe, maybe to someone who's not deserving. Maybe someone who's not even speaking to you anymore. I think it could reset you on a, on a, on a course of spiritual recovery faster than anything. I'm not interested in your stuff, but I'm interested in your heart. And I want your heart restarted. And I want your heart full of grace. Paul tapped into it. David tapped into it. Nehemiah knew it. Abraham Lincoln found out that it was true. And the train, he came back through this place about four years later on another train, did all the same stops that he did from Illinois to Washington, except he was in a casket. He had a little time to influence people. He had a few short years to impact a nation. Today, he's everyone's favorite president. No one was greater. No one was more godly. No one was more committed to the nation than Abraham Lincoln. But he thought the key to this thing is gratitude. Amen.